You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production. Hello and welcome to the Southern Star's Coronavirus Podcast. I'm the news editor, Siobhan Cronin. And I'm Star Creative Manager, Niall O'Driscoll. And each week we are talking to people at the centre of the pandemic in West Cork and beyond. We also take a look at that week's Southern Star newspaper and how our journalists throughout West Cork are covering the crisis and other news. This week we will also have some lovely music from a group of musicians in Berra who have come together to record a song which is very appropriate for our times. Also in this week's podcast, Ardfield beef farmer Tommy Moyles and Upton Dairy farmer Vanessa Kylie O'Connor talk to Emma Connolly about the challenges facing the agri-sector post-COVID-19 and how poor rural broadband connections have made their lockdowns more difficult. And farmers, let us have your thoughts about the agri-issues of the day, along with your hopes and expectations for the future, in the Southern Star Great West Cork Farming Survey. Complete the survey on our Facebook page or our website and you could win four tickets to the Southern Star Farming Awards. But first now, let's take a look at this week's paper. Yep, yeah, for sure. I have a copy here. I've thrown it on the floor. Uh. That's for it. Right. <laughs> so now on page one, actually, the lead was actually prompted by last week's podcast, which was a special on the future of tourism in West Cork. So we've a nice piece there. Uh, just it's been very positive, really, the reaction to it, and also the conversation that we had. We had Neil Grant on from the County Grass Hotel, and he's also involved with the Irish Hotels Federation. We had Christopher O'Sullivan, the newly elected TD, and we had Helen Collins from Taste of West Cork. So we're really just saying how they're gearing up for the summer. They're you know they're not going to let it pass. They have a lot of work to do as regards social distancing and food offerings and um, safe, I suppose, areas for people to drink and eat and socialise and also the activities that will be available in West Cork. But they did make the point, Niall, that West Cork could be one of the places that can really take this on board because, we, you know, we have a lot of deserted beaches, we have a lot of walks, we have a lot of scenic areas that aren't necessarily too busy if you avoid the really obvious ones the very reason that people would have come to West Cork all along is is now even more the reason they'd want to come here I suppose you know exactly so uh, we go into that in a little bit more detail then on page four I think you were particularly taken with these little cafe pods that I was I was looking at those uh, I don't know if you can on the front page there's there's a, a, a an architect or a designer in Kinsale I think has come up with a, a a, a prototype pod that will be parked in, um, I think that it's it's that they'll go in parking spaces outside restaurants and cafes to allow for social distancing and and uh, safety in that regard. It's, it's very interesting kind of an idea, isn't it? Very innovative idea. It is, and I think we've seen something similar. Kind of glasshouse versions in um, Amsterdam are beginning sure. to take those on board. These are kind of wooden style pods with three seats across from three, so a party of six maybe a family of six could sit together and there'll be cafes during the day, little bar pods at night. And, you know, I suppose Kinsale has always been a very innovative town, a bit sure. like Kilty. They're always at the start, at the forefront with their ideas. So if you want to see a little bit more of that, there's um, five really good drawings from the architect inside the paper this week on how this might look in Kinsale. And they're also going to incorporate, I mean, if they go ahead with it, 
um, kind of in a, a sail effect for the um, canopies, which would be a lovely little touch there in Brilliant. the harbour area. Um, in Kinsale also, I see there's a lovely photograph on the, on the top of the front page. Um, darkness into light, the walk that would order, ordinarily have taken place last weekend, obviously couldn't this, uh, this time around because of the pandemic. But uh, I see emergency services from um, the, the Cork area, they, they did a drive-through in Kinsale to mark the occasion. And I think it's, it's, I mean, anything that puts the emergency services to the fore at the moment, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful thing. And I suppose mental health, that uh, Darkness Into Light is all about mental health and Pieta House and stuff and whatever, anything that highlights that, again, at the moment is very important. Yeah, and we have more pictures of that inside as well of various people doing little events around right. the, the region. It didn't it didn't go unmarked this year. It was just very different, I think, really. So as well as that, Anaya, there's a sad story on page one about dead buzzards. I see that, yeah. Um they're they're I mean, to my way of thinking anyway, I mean they're they're these amazing birds, they're beautiful birds, but there was twenty three of them um killed uh uh by Somebody or people, whatever, using a banned insecticide, um, and there's an investigation ongoing into that. Um, it's it's a very unfortunate turn of events. I'm afraid it's, it's it is it's... yeah between Bandon and Timaleague. I think they mm. they they were found. So yeah, so there's a, a major guard, the probe, and the wildlife um, parks and wildlife service are looking into it as well. So that's carried uh, inside as well. More details on that. And then also inside another really nice positive story is the launch of, I'm surprised it was the first one in Ireland, the first horse trail in yeah. Ireland is in Barra. And they've invested 83,000. Now, this is really an example of people thinking outside the box, which is a very uh, common phrase at the moment. Mm. But there's spectacular photographs there from Anne-Marie Cronin where she went on the trail and took pictures of the views that people can see if they, you can bring your own horses, you can rent out from local stables, you can be accompanied, you can go on your own. It's a 17 kilometre trek uh, along some of the most beautiful and certainly unspoiled and, and you know, quiet scenery in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And that's really coming about at a perfect time for bearers. So they're really ahead of the pack there. So well done to mm -hmm. everyone. Um, there's, there's a story on page two, Siobhan, about a uh, local councillor, Deirdre Kelly, has something to say about the, the the government talks at the moment. That's right. I suppose everyone was just wondering if anyone was actually going to come out on the record and say that they had a problem with it. Now, Deirdre Kelly has, she's recently um, elected councillor, well, in that, that she's, she took Christopher O'Sullivan's seat when he... Uh, was successful in the general election and she issued a statement on Wednesday of this week saying, you know, she feels that the talks with Fine Gael are going to destroy the party. I mm. suppose to use the uh, well-worn well phrase, they're going to burst up the party. And she's been backed up by Joe Carroll, who uh, is a councillor in Skibbereen. And they're both just saying, look, Fine Fáil and Fine Gael were in a partnership for the last government and it didn't go too well for either of them. And now that they're going to go back again with a similar proposal, they're both going to come out of this worse. But of course, she's only worried about the future of Fianna Fáil. But she's just saying, hang on a minute, maybe we need to think about this and not rush into this. And, and Joe Carroll is agreeing with her. So I suppose that's just an interesting, um, an in interesting angle there where they're coming out and they're basically criticising their own leader. So as well as that, there's a, a, a down, a down uh, page story on page two about the churches mm. are 
reopening um, from now they're calling it a phased reopening from May 18th and they have a plan to have just every third pew occupied and it's really oh. just personal prayer so Father Tom Hayes and who who was a mm-hmm. guest on this podcast a few weeks ago he makes the point that people just want to get into the church and light a candle and say a prayer and they couldn't sure. even do that so now so so they're going to take that on board next it's, week it's, so. it's probably a thing that <clears throat> many people are are you know, probably missing more, more more than anything else at the moment is, like you say, just to be able to go in and say a prayer, that that little bit of solace or uh, whatever people get, you know, you know, it's very important, I suppose, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, moving on then, um, just another story, then other positives, but a lot of positive stuff in the paper mm. this week. I think we're kind of coming out of the, a little bit of the doom and gloom and, and seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. There's been a big... Um, boost there for Brogan's and Bandon. Now Bandon is a town that's had an awful lot of issues with shortage of school places and a lot of fear for the next few years that some kids may end up going further afield for secondary education. So there's a 10 million investment plan that was given the go ahead this week. Tim Lombard, the senator, announced it earlier this week, um, which would be a big boost to the school and a big extension plan there. Now what struck me was that uh, going forward, they may need to introduce some kind of restrictions as regards seating. So whether that will be incorporated into any plans or not, I think mm-hmm. it will be up to the whoever gets the tender for that to see what they can do. Because unless a cure or a vaccine has been found over the next year or two, I would imagine that schools are going to find it quite difficult to enforce social distancing. So things like big building projects could be totally uh, revamped in in the next few years. And I I see on on, on the topic of schools, uh, there's an interesting kind of feature piece on page five about uh, about the leaving certs where where Emma Conley has spoken to a number of leaving certs from the area to get their opinions on well, I suppose the, the uncertainty of the thing all along, and it would be leaving cert season right now, I suppose. It's, ob- it's obviously right. not, you know. Yeah, she's actually spoken to te- uh, 12 students around West Cork, mm. and interestingly enough, to ev- every single one of them has agreed that this was the right decision. Now, if you're sure. listening to Liveline in the last week or two, <laughs> you might be surprised. We had such a unanimous response from a random choice of students in West mm-hmm. Cork, they all said, look, not, it's, not the, it's not what they would have wanted, but in the circumstances, they couldn't see another sure. option. And they're just glad, really, to just have a decision made, yeah. even yeah. if it's not great. If, at least if was, they can get on. It was the uncertainty of it all along, I think, was what, was what was getting to people, really, wasn't it? Absolutely, especially when you're trying to study and you don't know what date, how long you have, you know, if it's ever going to happen. There's no schedule, there's no focus, there's no... Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I found it very, very difficult. So and I see, I, I see there's an issue with, uh, uh, well, and we'll use the term boy racers, um, uh, dangerous driving, kind of uh, donuts on the roads and things again. It seems, That's right. It, it seems they've died off for a while. Yes, it, it has been an ongoing issue in West Cork for the last few years, but it has come to the fore again now. But the fear now at the moment, never mind the um, marks on the road and unsightly marks, unsightly noises, is that A, they're not supposed to be gathering in large numbers. Mm-hmm. And we've had instances, according to the Gardaí, of where 18 or 19 cars are gathering up together. And also a lot of people are out on the roads now walking and a lot of sure. people who aren't, you know, it sounds bizarre, but a lot of people who aren't used to walking on the roads are now out and about. 
and you know may not be that aware of cars or corners or you know they the might be unused to walking on particular back roads so sergeant james o'donovan who's the crime prevention officer in west cork is just making the point that it's a bit of a perfect storm here you know we really need to try and get this under control and if you do know anybody going out you know doing this you know just maybe have a quiet word with them because you know it's sure. it's it's dangerous carry on the best time. dangerous at the best of times and now again at the moment there's a whole other layer to it absolutely um in, interesting and, piece about what we're buying at the moment a feature well, piece yes. you know the the emma Connolly looked at it again you know because of you know the pandemic again people aren't getting a lot of shops are closed but the things that people are prioritizing in terms of what they're buying you know whether they're ordering it from their local shop or or, or whatever and I think things like vitamins seem to, to rank highly on the list. Yeah, which... I'm surprised with that. I mean, I suppose at all times people like their vitamins, but maybe people are really trying to boost their immune systems sure. at, the, at the moment. Uh, I suppose the obvious ones are flour and eggs. We kind of knew about that mm-hmm. in yeast. One that st- stood out for me was Adam uh, Walsh in Fields saying that chickpeas, there was a massive run oh. on chickpeas in the <laughs> early weeks, and he thinks people were testing out different... Um, I recipes my own theory is that a lot of more teenagers were at home and uh, there's a right. big surge to vegetarianism and veganism in the last year or two i think they're all making chickpea curries myself and, and yeah i think there was de- definitely i know we're all talking about banana bread these days but there was definitely a, a recipe for some sort of a chickpea stew went around early on in the pandemic and that's probably <laughs> people obviously liked it yeah Absolutely. um no, a, a, a favourite topic of mine, anyway, I see, I see there's there's a piece about uh, a lot of illegal dumping and uh, dog poo. Yes, which I suppose kind of interconnected. Yeah. Uh, we have two separate stories. One is just, well, we've been carrying this now for a long time. In fact, for years now, we've been trying to keep tabs on the illegal dumping in West Cork because as a tourism area, it's something I think that is really, really important to get a handle on. Because one thing you do not want is to get a name for being a dirty area. Your tourism industry is down the swanee and all the jobs with it. And 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 this isn't this isn't this isn't necessarily the throwing the bags over the ditch kind of dumping. It's dumping at, at bins or, or on the streets and in towns and things, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, we have four pictures there that actually just came in this week of you know overflowing bins, bags in um, bags left beside bins that haven't mm. been emptied, people's domestic well it's actually there was one picture of just cans so you know someone mm. having a bit of a party and getting rid of the debris afterwards a, a, a box of bottles left in lock iron yeah. and mm. then just some rubbish left on the street and i also have a fear that there's so many gloves i'm starting to see an awful lot of plastic gloves, gloves yeah. abandoned mm. on the street yeah. you know and, and plastic is going to be a really big issue i think in the next few years mm. for us to sort with all the um you know millions and millions of pieces of ppe that will be discarded but uh yes you mentioned dog dog poo and there's a mm. on page 16 from kieran amani about uh fines and um people being prosecuted and the fact that there's been a bit of an upsurge there, in dog poo there does seem to be yeah <laughs> i suppose people that people are walking more because they're you know getting out for their bit of exercise and whatever but uh there does seem to be a, an increase in the amount of dog poo left on the footpaths and I, I i've seen it myself personally in quite close proximity to those you know those little things you get where they they, they have the poo bags that you can take the bag within 20 feet of that and you're looking at poo on the foot on the on the on the footpath 
Well, my, my own personal bugbear is people who take those bags, use them, and then throw them in the ditch. Oh, <laughs> that hang them from a tree or something. Anywhere you find yeah, yeah. Those, you'll find the bags full mm. somewhere in a ditch. So, I mean, it just you'd be better off just throwing the yeah. uh, elements into the ditch <laughs> without the plastic bag, if that's what you're going to do. So I suppose there's no accounting for some people's stupidity. I know, I know. But anyway. Quite honest. So uh, it, the, in life now, now there's a, a big feature in the life section this week that I think you'd be particularly interested in. Yeah, uh, uh, something that would be quite close to my own heart uh, for somebody who picks up a guitar and plays it every once in a while is a piece on... Um, just the difficulties that live music venues are are facing at the moment. And um, Emma Connolly has done a very interesting piece uh, where she's spoken to Sam McNichol from Connolly's, uh, Ray Blackwell from DeBarras and Clan, and uh, Joe O'Leary from Leavis and Beldy Hub. They'd be three fairly iconic uh, music venues. They're known across the country. And, I mean, they've they've come to a standstill at the moment. Now, DeBarras have a very interesting initiative, which we referred to previously, uh, where they're doing... Uh, sitting room to sitting room sessions. Um, they're, they're online sessions where they're getting the likes of Liam O'Mainley, all sorts, John Spillane. John Spillane, yeah, it was a good one, yeah. That's right. And um, it's a very difficult position for them to be in, though, because, I mean, it's their bread and butter ordinarily, plus the fact it's a great outlet for people to get out, to socialise and whatever, to go and see some live music, and it's just not happening at the moment. Yeah. You and know. I think um, Sam McNichol even made the point he just went offline for two months because he was just getting so depressed at the... Yeah. Uh, they've put a lot of money into Connolly's and he was saying, you know, the timing just couldn't have been worse for them. Sure. They were just about to reap the benefits of it. But at the same time, there is a bit of optimism there. But, you know, you know, they can go... They're going to go online, a lot mm. of these venues. There's probably a way maybe of monetizing that down the road and also they'll probably have to look at social distancing when they do reopen sure. but you know they're thinking again outside the box yes, and um there you know there there is optimism there so it's 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 not an overall doom gloom piece so you know it's they're acknowledging their difficulties but as you say they're they're certainly looking at the options Thanks, Niall. And don't forget, if you can't get to the shops, you can subscribe online by going to southernstar.ie and clicking on the e-paper tab at the top of the page. Or call the office on 028-21200 for a postal copy to be sent out to you. Here's Emma Conley with this week's podcast interview. In this week's podcast, I'm looking at how the farming industry, like all other sectors globally, has been impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. To discuss this, I'm joined by Farmers Journal columnist Tommy Moyles, who's also a beef farmer in Ardfield, and award-winning dairy farmer Vanessa Kylie O'Connor, who's based in Upton. Welcome, Tommy and Vanessa. Thanks for joining us um, for this week's podcast. I suppose, guys, before we start talking about some of the more negative projections for agriculture in a post-COVID world, in some ways farming actually has come out um, as a very positive story throughout all of this. And it's shown just how resilient it is. I mean, the world literally has ground to a halt. Planes have stopped. Manufacturing in many cases has stopped. But agriculture has continued. You know, cows were milked. The food production continued. And I, I think personally what's come out of this is that it's shown just how important agriculture is to the rural and the national economy. Um, any, any thoughts on that? I guess, Tommy, how have things been for you in Ardfield since lockdown hit? Um, the, 
they were okay. Uh, just as lockdown came in, I was probably heading into week two or three of calving. So it was great. I didn't have anywhere else to go, so I could focus on that. Um, I think there's great credit due to the co-ops and the, the suppliers. Um, like hard, well, not the hardware, but, you know, those dealing with um, dealing with farmer orders. There yeah. was plans put in place very early, and especially the likes of Carberry. Um, it doesn't affect me, but you'd be aware of it going to the, the local co-ops. Uh, the plans were put in place well ahead of the lockdown, so people were getting used to it. I think farmers had to get more organised. You know, it, it wasn't the case of, all oh, drive down to the co-op if I'm missing either yeah. a ration or a few nails or whatever. You, you you had to plan in advance and reduce the amount of times you went there. Um, not meeting people was strange, you know, contractors coming onto the farm with sorry or or that um, you kind of had to phone your order or you had to shout a bit louder, you know, um, to, you're observing and the distance. And, and tell me, what did you make about, you know, about the, the kind of positive story that's coming out about Irish agriculture throughout all of this? I think it's, it's, it's a, not just a once in a generation, it's a once in all our lifetimes um, opportunity in terms of what we see with the reduced air pollution. Um, that was a big standout. I mean, emissions is such a big, it's a big topic in the last few years in ag. And we've seen now we were able to, transport was stopped pretty much uh, for a number of weeks. So we'll have the data from that. Um, so ag had his chance to to see to see how it was as, a, as an individual um, sector there, how that compared. Um, food obviously was a priority. I mean, we all remember back to the first week or two where there was queues and panic buying and all the supermarkets and retail, um, the the wholesalers were saying that the supply chain is, is okay. There's probably a small little crack in the last week or so appearing in the meat plants. Um, that's been dealt with. You had the, the controversy over keelings. I think a positive from all that is it's shown society the value of the food chain, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's also shown that it's probably not as valued as as farmers would like it to be. You know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of low income in terms of in employees at plant level or at farm level. So that's maybe something that uh, people will become more aware of. Is there's, there's, there's mm. a different value placed on food? Interesting, Vanessa. And um, how have things been for you? You're um, running a fairly um, serious dairy operation in Upton. How have things been any different since um, the pandemic hit? So look, I suppose on a positive note, the farming year has, is going well, you know, the cows calve down well and, you know, the grass is growing and we can't have any complaints that way. It's business as usual on farm. I mean, of course, you know, we have all the, the changes that COVID have brought about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very lucky to have all the services that we use available to us. I mean, it has just been essential. It really is an essential service to have, have you know, so, you know, getting used to the social distancing I mean, as a dairy farmer where you have the milk lorry coming in. Yeah. Um, of course, we have biosecurity measures and footpaths and, you know, clean surfaces as a standard procedure on farms anyway. So that wasn't a whole lot to get adjust to. Um, but it was just, you know, that keeping that distance, you know, with the one person that you might meet every second day. Um, I suppose also, you know, 
it's AI season. And so my technician, he gives me a text five minutes in advance before he comes. So I just make sure that the cows are in the crush and everything is available to him so he can he can go. Um, I suppose another little thing that would have impacted was I would have milk recorded at the end of March um, with my milk recording guy coming you know, to the farm where that had stopped. I, I did my milking through the milk um, meters. So, you know, I had to adapt to something new there. Um, of course, you have like the online discussion group, something we never thought oh, would yes. be as successful. I mean, uh, once you have the right connection. Yeah, so very well, very well. I think it's very well organized um, and everybody has a turn to speak. It, it turned out very well. Of course, you like to be on farm as well to, to gain the experience of, of, you know, really there's normally a host farmer on each farm for the discussions. But look, you know, we're making do with the situation as it is, but we're all staying in touch and keeping on top of things. Um, mm. I suppose, well, they, I use the Tagish Advisory Service in Clannacilty and, you know, as part of my, my spring, I, I had to take soil samples. Um, so I was able to deliver those and leave them outside the door. They were sent off, you know, got my derogation application started and my basic payment started. I had, you know, there was no obstacle getting those services done. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, one of the funny things is like, you know, queuing at your co-op to, you know, yes. get in. And, so, but, you know, we're all in the same boat and, I, you know, no doubt, you know, all the, re the co-op retail centres, I go to Bandon Co-op. The staff are just fantastic, you know, and and the whole farming sector really has rallied and it's just it shows our resilience. We're able to adapt. We're yeah. one of the most adaptable sectors going, you know, we're used to challenges. We're used to, you know, the goalposts moving regularly. So, you know, I'm very proud to be farming and I'm very proud of everybody that, you know, delivers a service to us, you know. That's, so yeah, I, I, that's, that's yeah. kind of positive. Yeah. That's really that's really well said to say that you're so proud. Of course, there's no getting away from some of the negative kind of projections that are kind of coming out at the moment. Um, Tommy from the, your own farmers journal, they did some they commissioned some research that found the farming industry could lose up to two thirds of its annual income because of COVID nineteen. Beef farmers, they're saying prices are down by seventeen percent. Um, Dairy, uh, the dairy sector, yeah, they've said that the average 78 cow dairy farmer could lose 24,000 euro or 37% of their income for, their year, for the year. So it's, it doesn't make for great reading. I mean, having said that, though, there's always a lot of, there can be a bit of doom and gloom surrounding the farming industry. So I guess what, I, what I'd like to ask you is, is there some real fear um, in, amongst, you know, yourselves and your, and your fellow farmers now? Or do you think, you know, we'll, we'll rally again? Um, yeah, uh, I suppose that's that's the most extreme side. Is yeah. bad news and doom and gloom. It's it's a perennial of farming too, um, or, or certainly a significant majority of farmers. The yeah, the, those those prices. I mean, we saw when McDonald's and Supermax shut their doors. Yes. that was probably the most dramatic effect on beef price. Uh, you saw the price for uh, the dry cow sector falling by fifty to sixty cents a kilo. And the prime beef then was about half of that working in around a fall of 20 or 30 cents. We've good news just to come in in the last hour or so that McDonald's, have, um, they'll be opening six, yeah. six of their drive-thrus next week um, and phasing all the UK and Irish stores back and drive-thru um, by early June. So That's that has positive. no... Yeah, it's a positive. And 
there was whisperings around that a few weeks ago. And on the back of that, cow price has risen 20 to 30 cents. And the last three weeks, uh, beef price across the board has risen. So that's a positive. Um, I suppose Vanessa will cover the milk side more. Um, going back to the journal piece, the, the most extreme, the most extreme um, piece of the the economics the, that that uh, statistics that Professor Michael Wallace from UCD put out was that it could cost the industry up to one billion. And yeah. um, looking at the more moderate side is six hundred million, but again, that's taking that's taking the more extreme side of the shutdown. Um, there's a lift in the beef side of things. There's a lift coming now with uh, a few countries coming out of lockdown. Um, but the concern is that the stay cuts, which would be the higher price cuts, that restaurants won't be, they won't yeah. be open the, at the level that they were yeah. prior to the lockdown. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so there's, there's so as you say, a, 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 bit of, a bit of caution that, you know, it might not be as bad as they fear. So then, Vanessa, no, it, it, oh, sorry, Tommy, go ahead. Most, I, I, I suppose it, you always kind of have to plan for the worst in farming anyway. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, you, you just have to be that bit cautious. Um, and I suppose that there's low-cost loans have been bought out as well. So um, that's that's a positive to be taken. So, yeah, okay. it won't be as bad as... as was and then I guess for, for dairy, Vanessa, it's about fears for the milk price, really, isn't it? So that it won't take a hit. Absolutely. I mean... Concerns inside the, you know, the farm gate is always going to be about milk price. But, you know, there are, um, you know, so basically if I have a farm project that I was going to, you know, get stuck into like finishing a shed, I'm going to postpone that this year. You know, there's certain things as farmers we can take on board and, and maybe just try and and keep a little bit of funds for just in case things go pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, I'd be, uh, you know... The realistic side of things is we export over 90% of dairy and we were always going to have an issue around in Brexit. Um, so this COVID is, a, is another, uh, you know, added uh, issue. Now, if you look at what's happening in England where they've had to spill milk because they can't, their factories, their people are sick, they can't process that. Whereas here, the approach that was taken, it really you have to be very proud of, of all, the, all the stakeholders who came on board ensure that that wouldn't happen so we're still producing the finest quality produce from our grass-based system and we we are now depending on those the people that market our product abroad to continue getting that message out there they you know their jobs depend on our jobs so they're working as equally hard to to sell our products you know i'm actually they, glad they're... actually vanessa i'm really glad you brought that up because you've been involved in a really exciting international marketing campaign which tells the really unique story of west cork's grass-fed uh farms tell us a little bit about that so i suppose ornua um reached out and and said that they were looking for farmers to take part in, in a little video campaign that they that we could tell our story so that their customers could get a real feel of of what farming dairy farming is like in Ireland, um, and I suppose I was delighted. I'm not only the only West Cork person. I know Aidan McCarthy, um, back west, he took part oh, yeah. in it, and like his clip is you know connected with the cheese side of things. My clip is connected with the butter side of things. But, you know, I suppose no better people to tell the real story than a farmer. And if I can, by doing that, or helping this marketing team to go around the world and, and show what we do, 
And we should be extremely proud of what we do because we take for granted that cows eat grass and we don't think any, any different in this country. But you go to other countries, they can't do that. So really what we have is a very artisan product um, and our marketing people that are out there selling it abroad, you know, know we have uh, have that that um, that advantage, you know. So we can, uh, I just, you know, just yeah. to support them as best we can, you know. Yeah, and as you said, get our unique story out there. But it's the real story. Yeah. You know, where where can, I mean, West Cork especially, you know, our cows can genuinely be out for 300 days of the year. You know, there's no making up a real story, you know, so it's good that we can tell that story, you know. Yeah, honest, straight from the heart. Um, yeah, so as and I, you've, you've told it really well. It's very nice. If anyone wants to um, check check it out, it's online. And um, just look up Ornua. So, so um, I guess I'm also curious, um, Vanessa, just to hear how things are going for you both personally in lockdown. I know I I have never done so much farming in my life, and I'm not even a real proper farmer I guess we're all spending more time at home now and I've been called on to block cows and, and shift fences and all the rest so um it's a nice time and it's it's I think it's lots of farming families have more help than ever at the moment and we're, we're hopefully making some nice memories but I mean it's obviously not without its challenges as well let's be honest so Vanessa for example you're sitting in your car there and you have um your office and you've been telling me that Wi-Fi, you've got two um, secondary school going children, that Wi-Fi can be a bit of a challenge for you all there. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, it's, it's, it has been a nightmare. And I mean, it is a nightmare for the whole of rural Ireland, really. You know, we really need to, to bring broadband everywhere now. I, my business depends on me having internet connection. And I mean, today is a sunny day and I still have to sit in my car to connect with you because my daughter is on a Zoom call to her school. Yeah. So, you know, we both can draw on, on the same internet. So I have I have my my phone data on my phone that we're talking with because I can't link in there and affect her school. Now, we've had the added relief uh, of the uh, decision being made on the leaving search because I have a son yes. in leaving search. So, you know, there for the past couple of months, there was two of them online daily. Um, and, you know, it was quite stressful. Like anything we submit, you know, if we have to deal with the Department of Agriculture, they now require us to do everything online, even if it's registering your calves, everything. You know, um, I did the, the calf investment scheme with, um, application there in January, but I had to upload everything. I literally had to drive a mile up the road on a wet day uh-huh. to get a proper connection. So, you know, there there are challenges. Like and I there suppose are little things that will push you over the edge really if you're already having a, a difficult day, aren't they? And as you say, you know, it's not just you, it's this is the story of so many households. Absolutely. And that's where rural children are at a disadvantage, even education wise, you know, so some days they haven't been able to connect, you know, so people may be in a town where they have a better connection. They have, they're at an advantage. Plus, I'm trying, like I say, I'm trying to run a business. There's other people that aren't in farming sector that are trying to work from home as well from rural areas. And they're having the same issues, you know. So yeah. um, as far as the children helping out on the farm, because they're still at, they were still at school. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get them out as much as possible. Hey, on the other side of it, my- yeah, but my husband works at the airport, and we all know that planes aren't aren't running now at the moment. So he now is on reduced hours. You know, we're we're no different to any other family. We have a mortgage, and 
we have Fenton who's going to be going to college in September. So we have all these, um, you know, we're at that stage of life where, you know, we still have a lot of commitments to keeping our finances right. So, I mean, when we say it's so important that the milk price stays up, for me personally, it's, it has to happen like you know what I mean and also I suppose you know for, for my husband he doesn't know whether he's going to have job security if COVID goes the wrong way around you know what I mean now on the opposite side it's been great to have him home because we're able to get stuck into jobs that a two-man job that normally if I'm here on my own I have to wait for him to have a day off to get stuck into so there, there, there's been pluses and minuses but there will be an ongoing I suppose worry financial worry going forward college mortgage all these things what's going to happen into the future so on a personal level that's how how things yeah. are affecting me you know that's but that's well, that's very honest and um, that's very honest to share all about the mess i think lots of people are kind of hiding behind this oh we're still having great fun many friends going for a lot of there are financial and you know impact that there for most schools now. And Tom, you're in the most beautiful parts of Westport, Metro on the on the edge of the sea there. Um, so couldn't have been a better place to, to be in lockdown. How are things with you? Half half of my two K radius was at sea, so that kind of um, that limited things a little bit. Um again like <laughs> a, a, a bit like Vanessa, connectivity was a big issue. I lost phone reception for the best part of two weeks, almost three weeks. Um, I missed out on oh, missed, out, missed out on engaging with um, our discussion groups. On we had a two, was a two, yeah, two calls I think, but I missed them because I had no reception. Um, prior to the, I, I ended up changing network, um, but prior to that, I had to go up to the shed or drive a mile up the road to get reception. Um, that that was gone, and where that was really really stressful was at peak calving, not everything going your way, and then you need to call a vet. Of course, you, you take things for granted when you have the phone in your hand and you can just dial them. Uh, but you're up in the shed and you have to run down home and ask for someone's phone. Or uh, irony of ironies, um, I discovered on on my trips to Clannacilty during the lockdown that um the only place that I could actually make phone calls was outside the vets. So, um, yeah, it was, wasn't ideal to have to call them. Not that I did that, but it was extremely frustrating. And, yeah, it's certainly something for politicians to look at, the, the connectivity in rural Ireland. And it's going to be much more important going forward because I think the legacy of this um, lockdown is we're going to see huge changes in terms of people working from home. Um, I know that the okay. farmers, journal, the rest of the staff haven't been in the office since March. And I, I'd imagine that some of them would, would like to like to stay that way. So mm-hmm. I'd be concerned for, for people that I rent out office space long term. But um, the other side of it is, you know, when you there's, there's no meetings on um, and people are using the likes of Skype or Zoom, it's taking less time if you're involved in, in any of the farm organizations. You can have a meeting and you could be done in an hour where you don't have to drive to Port Leash or Dublin or Limerick. Um, so that's a major saver. So we'll see what the legacy is. You miss out on the cup of tea in Tommy. Oh, yeah. Look, you, you would miss <laughs> on that. For now, for now, it is what it is. And, and it will, it will look, you'll have to bring things in for that social element because to try and work as a team or on, on a board level, 
you do need that you do need that human contact um and you do need to get to know the people a bit better um so for no there's, there's definite time-saving benefits all right yeah for yeah. sure but uh yeah no it's yeah we could live in much worse places and i, I think one of the big saviors from all this is that this happened in when it happened if this if we were facing this going to november december january and it's dark at four and five o'clock in the evening i think that would be much more challenging particular for, for people that are living on their own or you know that that, that would be yeah mental health oh, yeah we, we did get lucky on the time of the year very sure. very so yeah so vanessa and tommy thanks so much i think we you both heard some really interesting points there and um, lovely chatting to you both and i guess Nothing for it but to plough on for another week and, and see how we all do. Thank you so much. Here now we have this week's musical treat. Apart but still together is the title of the catchy tune penned by well-known musician Pat Higgins. Pat has written the song in honour of frontline workers and enlisted the help of local musicians in Vera to record it. Richie Hodges made a video of the group on the sandbreakers on the local beach, and he has included some breathtaking images of Barra. So enjoy. Even though we're apart, still together, we can't be this, whatever the weather. Even though we're apart, we're still together, we can't be for listening to the southern star coronavirus podcast don't forget to like share and subscribe to our podcast which is available on itunes spotify youtube acast stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local, quality and trusted journalism. Visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie